Welcome to the Exit Coach Radio Show, the show for baby boomer business owners who are looking for cutting-edge information as they plan their 3- to 10-year business succession and exit. Every week, we interview top professional advisors for their best tips, strategies, and precautions so you can be well-planned. And don't miss our one-minute Exit Coach Tip of the Day on ExitCoachRadio.com. And now, here's your host, the Exit Coach, Bill Black. We're sure glad you joined us today. It's uh, it's a fantastic day here in Southern California. Thank you so much for joining Exit Coach Radio. You know, it's been a very busy time uh, around here. We've been working very hard to get all of our interviews in a format that you can go back and do some homework and research uh, when you want, how you want, from your smartphone or from your tablet. So while you're on the go, exercising, driving, even uh, you can listen to Exit Coach Radio. Now, what you want to do is go to ExitCoachRadio.com, look at Audio Library, and click on there, and you'll get you'll be taken to 12 different topic file folders, and from there you can do some research and uh, and listen to authors, advisors, thought leaders, etc. Either one-minute highlights or 20-minute interviews. And, and go deep on the subjects that you want to know more about. We hope you'll do that. Uh, again, ExitCoachRadio.com. My next guest is Michelle uh, Letterman. Michelle's been with us before. It was a fantastic interview. I'm so glad that she's back. She's with Executive Essentials uh, out of South Orange, New Jersey. And um, Michelle's an author of Nail the Interview, comma, Land the Job. Nail the Interview, Land the Job. And she's an expert on workplace communications. It was named one of Forbes' top 25 networking experts in 2015, and her company, Executive Essentials, provides communications and management training and coaching programs, and Michelle's going to be speaking on effective interviewing on both sides of the desk. So, Michelle, welcome. Thanks again for joining us, and uh, uh, pleasure to have you back. Hi, Bill. Happy New Year. Same to you, Michelle. It's uh, a brand new year. It's uh, We're just getting started here, but it's... Uh, uh, I, I don't know. I think it's going to be a good one. What do you think? Absolutely. You have to believe that. <laughs> <laughs> we better believe that. That's right. So uh, how are things going for you? Congratulations, by the way, on being named one of Forbes' top 25 networking experts. That's fantastic. Thank you. And actually, they just reached out to me again to join their Forbes Coaches Council, which I just joined uh, at the beginning of the year. So, you know, getting getting into a nice relationship with, with, uh, with Forbes. So, Look for look for more content all over there. That's fantastic. That's great. That's great to know. And um, do people would would people find your your uh, writings or blogs or things like that online with Forbes or how does that work? Right now, they can find my blog on my website, which is michelletillisletterman.com. Um, but we will be doing some uh, content development for Forbes specifically throughout this year. So it's coming soon. That's fantastic. Now, it's so important for our listeners. Again, our listeners are mainly baby boomer business owners, um, small to mid-sized companies that are thinking about, okay, how the heck am I going to transition out of my business? One of the key is going to be you're going to have to hire somebody great to be your person in charge, especially if you're going to be going uh, from overtime to part-time. Uh, you know, a lot of businesses won't be able to sell their businesses in the next few years, so they need great people. So, interviewing is so important because a lot of our listeners, Michelle, haven't had to do a lot of interviewing. A lot of them have fairly small staffs and, and they've had their people around for a long time. So let's talk about that. What, what, how do you start, uh, how important is it to have an effective interview and, 
And again, we're talking both sides of the desk. Well, you couldn't have said it better. Uh, the idea that you have to find somebody to step into your shoes, you can step out of your shoes and step away or step up or step over. Um, so really understanding what you're looking for and what's going on on, as you said, both sides of the desk to make sure that you have that fit. Because if you want your exit strategy uh, <laughs> and you don't want all of that work to go to naught, you need to find uh, somebody to take over that can continue that vision. So important. And, you know, um, when you're interviewing, there's common mistakes that I hear over and over again. And one of them is that people tend to interview an employee with their gut. They're looking for someone actually that they like, that's like them instead of looking into their skills. What are some of the other big mistakes that you hear a lot about? Well, what you're referencing is what's called the similar to me bias. There's a lot of interview biases that happen on the interviewer's side. So as we're looking at a candidate, what you need to keep in mind is there's three things you need to figure out. Number one is can they do the job? Do they have the skills? Do they have the experience to do the job? Number two, do they want to do the job? Do they have the passion and the interest and the motivation to do the job and to bring their full selves to the job? And number three is, do they fit with the organization? Do they understand and will they absorb and uh, be part of our culture? So when you talk about deciding from the gut, you're really just focusing on that third question. You're not thinking about questions one and two. And that is an absolute component that you need to think about, but you can't ignore all three, all three questions. You can't just focus on one of them. So um, the similar to me bias is one of the pitfalls. Um, some other pitfalls is what we call the halo and the horns effect. I remember once when I was interviewing back in my business school days, and I'm, I'm having, you know, I think it was like McKinsey or somebody like that, and they asked me a question, and I, I said, well, can I ask you a question back? And I asked him my question, and he threw his pen up in the air, threw his hands up, and he said, nobody's asked that question. I knew right then and there I had the second round <laughs> because I had to do one right thing. This is called a halo. If I do one right thing, I'm gold. And it was true. I had the next round and the next round, and, and it was, you know, I knew I had it. Whereas the horns effect is you mess up once, that's it, you cannot recover, you're done. And you don't really want either of those to impact you so greatly because what happens is we close our minds. And one of the tips right. I teach people, especially those of you who are, are interviewing, is the concept of contrary information. And that's the idea that we are looking to um, they hear something different than what we've been hearing. If we've been hearing this, this is all going wrong, well, let's ask a question about a, a success. If we're hearing, oh, you're fabulous and everything's great, well, you know what, just tell me about a story that, that didn't go so well or a time that you didn't work well with the team. Like, just look for some of that contrary information to give you a rounded view. Okay, that makes sense. So, uh, obviously, it makes you, you need to have some some uh, idea of where you're going with your interview, some techniques in your hip pocket so that when it starts going one way, you can say, okay, I need to take this in a different direction or I need to find out information. You know, I'm, I'm hearing all the good qualities. I need to figure out what what might happen if things are going bad because, you know, that, that's when a true employee, the value of a true employee, a key employee comes out. So uh, 
do you do you is this something that you teach? Is this what do you teach business owners? Do you tend to focus more on the people that are interviewing for the jobs, or is it both? I have done thousands on both sides. I will actually say I've done more in teaching people how to conduct the interview than I have with teaching people how to interview because uh, just in terms of volume, I can teach you know 50 people at once how to do an interview, but I can only teach one person at a time how to be interviewed. <laughs> Um, but, yes, I do this quite extensively. And the other thing that you mentioned, and, and you keep saying some great things that spark for me uh, around this concept for your listeners, is that you really need to be clear on what you're looking for. I mean, we know those are three questions, but what would it take to be successful in that role? I, I remember one person I was uh, consulting with, he, he was hiring, and he had somebody in the role, and he needed to put a job description together. And I said, well, what do you really need? And, and, what, and it's so funny because he said, I need somebody who has no ambition. <laughs> yeah. Because there was nowhere to go in the organization. He needs somebody who was somebody who would be content and was an executor, but didn't have the ambition to go and climb the ladder. It's a really interesting observation. It's something you'd never put in a job description, but it's something for you to understand because you can develop questions to get a sense of, well, where does this person see themselves in five years? Well, and if they say, well, I'm really looking for a long-term gig, okay, now let's keep talking, you know? <laughs> well, yeah, that's a problem, I think, for a lot of people is that they, they – it's it's – very laborious to train someone or bring them up to speed, and especially if they're in a key position, uh, to you, you invest a lot of time and energy and money into that. And you know, th- there's there's no more tired face than looking at an owner who says, "I hired somebody six months ago and they just resigned." There's no more tired face than that because they're they're trying to pour everything into this person and help get them up to speed, and then it doesn't work out, and then they're back to square one and they feel like that was just what a what a waste right there. So I obviously, feel that, and I personally have experienced that with hiring assistants. And one of the things I will tell your your business owners out there is, instead of just verbally pouring it into somebody, document it. So that person that you are training, have them document the processes and the procedures and the the key points as you're training them. Because if they don't stay, you then have all of that to hand off to somebody else. I like that concept a lot. We talk a lot to business owners about the fact that you need to document how every how every process is done in your business, your franchise book, if you will, and you can offload that to the person who's learning it. What better time for them to be documenting it than, well, the better time would have been the person who, who they're replacing having <laughs> had done that, <laughs> right? But uh, given, let's say that's not an option the person who's learning the job to be documenting it as they go because they're they're going to have all the there's not going to be a lot of assumed information in there right it's going to be um step by step by step yeah and it's also part of the learning process in writing it down and documenting it to ensure you have clarity to know where your questions are so it's a really great exercise great stuff so so when people are uh are in the interview process they're out to be interviewed uh, and they might be listening to this and saying, well, I, I'm, not, I'm not a business owner, but I want to be hired by a business owner. Uh, what are the stages of the interview process that we need to include and prepare for? Perfect. And this actually is going to be helpful for both sides of the desk as well, because there's five components of the interview that you need to ensure are incorporated in. In the beginning, rapport building. 
And rapport building should happen throughout the interview, but you do want to make sure that you're focusing on some rapport building, that chit-chat, that small talk, right at the beginning. One component is actually the introductory question. That opening question is, is almost a component on its own. How are you kicking it off? What type of broad-based question are you asking? And they're typically the tell me about yourself or walk me through your resume. But you want to really think about that opening establishment of the interview. The core of the interview is where you're really trying to figure out those three questions that we talked about earlier. And that might happen, um, again, it's going to be happening throughout. You can mix in and out some of these different concepts. The candidate Q&A is the fourth component, and that candidate Q&A is when the, the person who is being interviewed has an opportunity to ask questions of the interviewer. Now, for those people who are thinking about, I'm going to be interviewed, you want to think about the fact that you are giving the company an idea of what's important to your decision-making process by those questions. So if you just start asking about, well, what's my salary? Well, that's what's important to you. If you ask about how, um, you know, how projects are assigned, well, then they understand what's important to you. So really do think about the types of questions that you're bringing in. And as the interviewer, that's your indication of what they care about, thinking about it. And then, of course, the last component is the closing of the interview, where we understand the next steps, where we ensure that all of our questions have been asked and that we as a candidate have addressed all the things that they want to know about us. Okay, that's that's great. So it, that kind of helps uh, to, to frame each of the different phases and the stages of the interview. As an interview candidate, um, what should, how prepared should I mean, the information's available everywhere you go these days. When you're going in for a job interview, how prepared should you be and, and how can you prepare? What advice can you give the interview candidates? So the preparation happens sometimes even before you get the interview. Your online presence will precede you to that interview. So one of the things you need to do to prepare is understand what is the message that's being put out about you online. Google yourself. Check all of your social media platforms. Check your privacy settings. Look at the things that are posted because about 70, I think it's up to 79% of companies are now using social media in part of recruiting. But 69% of companies have stopped their, their uh, candidacy with an applicant based on what they find out online about them. So it's very important for you to understand what your online presence is as part of the preparation. And then, of course, you want to uh, do some research. If you can find out who you're going to be interviewing with, think into them in advance. See who you might have in common, what um, interests or people or schools or companies that you might have in common, because that's going to help with the rapport building. If there's people that you know that worked for that company before that you're friends with, some informational. Understand what it is like to work for that company. What do you think it takes to be successful? So those informationals, networking. The interview can be really powerful. And, of course, there's different things like preparation around, you know, of course, look at the company's website, Google and see how they're in the news lately. I would check out their social media as well. And I know this sounds like a lot of work. You can do a lot of this in less than an hour. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Well, of course, you should know um, how you're showing up on the Internet because, again, it goes both ways. They're going to be looking at you very closely and seeing if you've got, uh, you know, so a lot of wild partying <laughs> pictures on your social media or whatever. But again, 
like uh, you make a good point, which is you're going to be interviewing with a person, um, and you can usually find out something about that person very quickly and easily on on sites like LinkedIn and other sites like that, and find out maybe who they know, so you can build rapport quickly or what their what their other interests are. Uh, so that that makes a lot of sense, Michelle. I really think that that's uh, great advice for our listeners. And from an interviewer standpoint, again, we talked a little bit about that earlier. But what can can the interviewer do to be more effective? The the most important thing that they can do before the interview is get clear on what it takes to be successful in the role. What are they really looking for, and what are the most important things? For example, I'm right now in the market for a new assistant. I know for me, I need somebody who is detail-oriented because I am not. I need to know that nothing falls through the cracks of that person, and that's probably my number one criteria. And then for me, the second is initiative. And what does initiative look like? So you really want to think about what are the must-must qualities be, and make sure you're building and, and thinking about questions around those qualities. And I would actually suggest asking about three questions. Um, each for the qualities that are key because you can have everybody prepare like what's your greatest weakness I've got that one ready to go but if you ask the same question three different times you're really going to be able to triangulate the honest um, answer and just some depth on that quality now Michelle there's a lot of, uh, of people that are looking to to build in or fill in a, a particular niche in their team when they hire uh, and there are certainly a lot of programs out there that help. You know, I guess the, the best analogy is build a, a sailboat kind of a team. And the concept there is that when you're building a, a sailboat, you need one sail. Well, you may you need a, a main sail and, and some uh, front like a jib sail. You need a rudder. You need an anchor. You need an engine. Uh, you don't need six sails and no engine, for instance. You don't need, uh, you know, five rudders and no jib. Uh, you need to find the right components to fit into the team. How important is it these days with technology and some of these programs that are out there to help determine uh, what uh, strengths and weaknesses are of each individual that's currently on the team and then uh, to be able to, again, kind of profile, if you will, the candidate to, to see if they fit into the, that missing uh, or that desired area? You know, it, it's interesting. I... I... I hear both arguments on the use of assessments in the interviewing process. There was actually a study done with the big six accounting firms, so this goes back a little bit, um, of one in particular and what what the MBTI style, so the Myers-Briggs personality type that makes it to partner. Now there's 16 Myers-Briggs personality types and 80% of the partners were one type. Now, that is really compelling information. You might say, okay, well, if we want partners, people who have partner potential, only hire this one style. However, you really lose a lot of um, the diversity, a lot of the um, challenge within an organization. So you're going to get groupthink and you're going to get too many cooks in the kitchen or you're going to get people who all have analysis paralysis. So because you start to hire based on a profile, you may um, profile yourself out of what could really add value to an organization. So I, I get a little nervous with some of those things um, because I think that you need to have what I call a whole brain team and people who bring in all of those differences, even if it's just to a particular role, 
what kind of, um, you know, what kind of personality do we need on the team overall that can also help with this role? So be careful with over, over specifying and narrowing your search. Because when we said before at the beginning, using your gut can be dangerous, but it also can be really helpful if you're using that gut along with the analysis. Great, great tips. And, uh, you know, it's great information. There's a lot of different um, uh, information out there, and uh, I, I certainly am impressed by what you bring to the table. And, of course, uh, like we said earlier on in the interview, you're one. You're the named one of Forbes' top 25 networking experts in 2015. So, Michelle, uh, when our listeners uh, and we have a few links that we're going to put up on your on your show notes here that would give people access to a a free interview prep checklist that you put together, uh, some free weekly video tips, and you're also offering a free assessment. So, we're going to put those links on our show notes. And uh, your book is out there called. Nail the Interview, Land the Job, available on Amazon. So I want to encourage our listeners to check into that. And you're also a Vistage speaker. So if you're a Vistage chair or a, a member of a Vistage group, then uh, keep Michelle in mind as a, uh, as a speaker for your group. What's the best way for our listeners to get in touch with you and find out more about you, Michelle? Well, I welcome them to link in with me. They can tell me that they were on the show. They heard the show. They can come to my website, Michelle with two L's, T-I-L-L-I-S-L-E-D-E-R-M-A-N.com. They can get all the goodies you just mentioned, join the, the list, and I will keep in touch with them there. I'm on YouTube. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. There's lots of ways to get in touch with me, and I'd just love to hear how you found me. Okay, so... You know, like you said, I mean, these days, if you just Google Michelle Letterman, L-E-D-E-R-M-A-N, you're going to find Michelle and find a lot of great tips, and you'll be really happy that you got in touch. So, Michelle, I'm happy that you got in touch. Thanks very much for joining us again. It's been a real pleasure to have you on the show again, and I look forward to the next time we speak. Me too. Always a pleasure. Thank you. All right. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back after this. So please stay with us. Hi, everybody. This is Spike Reel with The Exit Coach. Business owners, can you name the eight key value drivers that you and your managers should be focusing on to increase the value of your business? Introducing the Sellability Score Index. Visit our website and answer 25 questions about your business, and you will instantly receive your Sellability Score, showing you how well you stack up in the eight value driver areas. It's a great management tool. It's absolutely free for our listeners. Just visit ExitCoachRadio.com and click Get My Sellability Score. Does thinking about what will happen to your business if you're gone keep you awake at night? Will you get the price you need from your business to carry you through retirement? The BEI Network of Exit Planning Professionals is the world's leading advisor network with the power to help business owners transition out of business on their own timeline and terms. Ask your most trusted advisor to create a BEI plan for you or visit us at ExitPlanning.com. That's ExitPlanning.com. Thank you for listening to Exit Coach Radio. 